Hello, welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We're a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who simply love Jesus and want to journey through the ups and downs of our faith together. We're so glad you're here. Hello, good morning. It's so lovely to see you all this morning. Uh, Today, we have back-to-back Cincinnati with us for our back-to-back back-to-back weeks. Um, So we are so glad to have them. Um, They're going to lead us through some really cool stuff today, um, and so excited you guys are here to be a part of it. So good morning, and thank you for being here. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris. I'm the director of Back-to-Back Cincinnati, and I'm excited to be able to talk a little bit about what we do. I think it's a really um, brilliant idea from a church side to be able to go through like this entire summer and hear different missionaries and what the work looks like instead of often having missionaries try to figure out how to tell you what they do while at the same time landing a sermon. Um, those are unique. And so whether you're hearing from about Poland or last week hearing from Mikey and Katie just about an overall back-to-back ministries investment that they do or that Mikey specifically does on um, in part of our marketing team, um, or even for us specifically to back-to-back Cincinnati. I'm just grateful for a church that is interested in the, the depth of investment that's happening around the world through mission work. And today we're going to try to keep it interactive, try to have some conversation and give you a little bit of insight into why we have a back-to-back site here in Cincinnati when historically back-to-back has been a global organization focused on orphaned and vulnerable children. And that, um, I'll reiterate even from last year, we turned 25 next year as an organization. So back-to-back started late 90s with a couple, Beth and Todd Guckenberger, who decided to jump in an Isuzu Trooper and drive to Mexico and try to figure out what for one year should we do on behalf of orphan and vulnerable children that we've met in some previous mission trips because they did the stereotypical thing. And I don't know if you know that backstory. I don't even know if you've resonated with stories like that, that you go globally or you go into a a serve opportunity and you find yourself wondering, am I actually making a difference? And that was the tension for Todd and Beth. They tell the story of going two years in a row to the same children's home prior to launching back to back. And in the first year, they painted a concrete wall blue that had been green they came back the next year, they saw that blue wall, and the guy had the same color green paint. It was like, hey, we want this wall to be green. And they were like, wait a minute, why are we just coming down and repainting this? Like, do you not realize we were here last year, and we, like, you're telling us you didn't like our work, and you needed us to put it back. Can we do something better? And on that trip, they actually paused with the group of students that they had, jumped in a cab, and just asked the taxi driver, do you know if there are any children who need help? during our last two days on this mission trip. And they ended up at a children's home that was led by an expat who's a, um, a military sergeant at the, and um, had retired to this uh, s- small city in Mexico. He had 26 orphaned children that were living with him. And he said, we don't have toilet seats, we don't have windows, and we haven't had meat. And that story turned into an opportunity where... Uh, Todd and Beth and this little group replaced toilet seats. They replaced some windows. 
And they recognized the longing for sustenance was so heavy that the children in the children's home kept coming back to the grill to get more burgers. Little five-year-old girl keeps coming back. And as she goes up the stairs and into her dorm room, her friends have the mattress up in the air and they are lining burgers underneath the mattress because they were going to try to keep them because they hadn't had meat in so long that they were trying to store the meat in their bedroom to be able to have it for later. That kicked Todd and Beth into and I like the thought that there is a depth of care that can happen and it starts with meeting physical needs. And we have those. We have freezers full meat, but it's not fair to tell your children like there are people in other countries who are hungry, finish your plate, right? Doesn't really work that way because we're not really going to get that plate to another country. Somebody has to go and there has to be a plate in front of the child and a child has to feel safe to eat whatever's on the plate, feel connected to it in order to go there. So shame, there's no place for shame. And I love that Todd and Beth started it with that idea. There's no place for shame. We just have to be present and presence leads to proximity. My friend Michael, who's here, taught us that. That when we draw near, then we start to see transformation. So Todd and Beth left and went to Monterey. They were just going to live proximate for a year. And almost 25 years later, Monterey is our longest site, uh, which then birthed Cancun, Mazatlan, Hyderabad, India, the um, uh, Joss, Nigeria, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And now we are landing in the Dominican and starting to get some presence there. All of those are international fields, um, and all of those fields have a connection to back-to-back through holistic and trauma-informed care. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, of what it means for back-to-back to be defined by uh, holistic and trauma-informed care. But then in 2016, there was an invitation by a couple of organizations here in Cincinnati, and it felt a little shame-based, to be honest, to us when it came, and it came from the environment of you're giving all these great resources to third world places. Don't you know our own city is suffering? And our response was, we do. But every time we pray about that and we feel like there's like a prompting to Cincinnati, we end up opening another site internationally. Like the, the, the places, especially Mazatlan and Nigeria, came out of conversations around Cincinnati that were like, what do we do here? And both times it was like, let me show you what is happening in another third world place. So we had come to, by 2016, had really as an organization come to the conclusion that we are an international organization focused on orphan and vulnerable children care. But in 2016, a couple of organizations came and they said, here are the problems that we're facing in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is one of the three worst um, places for children to grow up. Because our child poverty rate is one is of the three highest in the nation compared, compared to all cities per capita. That we have one of the three worst child poverty rates. Most of the time, that then leads into a debate as to whether or not an income status or poverty should define whether or not we have equality. Right? Sometimes it's like, does it really matter how much the parents of a kid makes in order for equality? But if you look at the cities around the United States, child poverty rates are directly tied to low rates of food access, overwhelming rates of education disparity, and heightened neglect and abuse. 
those numbers are correlate always where there's a higher child poverty rate there's always less access to education a higher access of food desert and deepened stories or um illustrations of neglect and abuse and the separation of family rate is almost always not even almost always always higher so you have a heightened foster care separation from family environment any place where there's a higher child poverty rate so in cincinnati child poverty rates are twice the national average so nationally 20 percent of children experience child poverty in the united states in cincinnati it's 40 percent that was pre, those were pre-pandemic numbers too. So it's way higher than that now. Like the, there's no way we can navigate the number of um, people that this past year has impacted because the gap of disparity really widened um, for those of us who had access in the past 12 months to sustainable resources and those who did not. Right, so our numbers are high. That's why we started back-to-back Cincinnati. That 40%, I heard even like... They were taking that in, in this room. We did that same thing as an organization. Our response was like, okay, we didn't know. Um, we didn't know. Now that we know, we can't unknow. So what should we do? So we started to research the city. We started to look around and see, are there enough organizations that are already here? And should we just send volunteers from back-to-back mission trips to invest in their own city? Should we put highlighters on organizations that are already here, try to drive resources toward those, should we actually have a physical presence? The conclusion was, while there are a lot of brilliant organizations in Cincinnati, um, our friend Stephanie, who's on staff with us, she did logic models for over 40 of them um, as she started as an intern in 2017 and was like studying everyone. There are a lot of brilliant organizations here. What we found is there aren't a lot of organizations that the, the target is the child. There are a lot of organizations that the target is a specific resource, a specific thing, that the target, the bullseye, is the child, and the bullseye being the child with trauma-informed holistic care. That, once we put those metrics in and we're like, all right, who's doing that, and are they getting movement, we found there wasn't much at all. There was like a real low number of organizations that say our focal point is children, youth, family, and holistic and trauma-informed care being the objective. And so we launched. And as of um, January 1st, 2018, we, that we call that the official back-to-back Cincinnati launch date, we had one staff member. I got to be me. And um, we had no budget, and we had no plan. We just thought, we're just going to show up and volunteer. So we I, we, I say we, I started volunteering in five other organizations just to see how do we learn about the city. At this point in 2021, we have 17 staff that are on site um, with Back to Back Cincinnati that are composed of care coordinators, which is what we would redefine as social workers. Um, a lot of times a social worker knocks on the door of a family and the family is asking the question, are you here to decide whether or not I should keep my child? And so we just know fair or unfair, that feeling of what a, that a social worker is going to be invasive and is coming to test whether or not we should be a family. We redefine that as family care coordinators. So we're going to provide care for families so that you can stay together. We want resources to be accessed in that way. Coaches, 
Um, we have, the, have established a team of coaches that work with 12 to 20 aged students, children, and youth that work one-on-one, um, difference between mentoring and coaching. Mentoring, I'll tell you about my experiences, and I'll tell you the path that I went down. Coach says, I'm watching your game tape, and I'm telling you what might help maximize your life based on how you're wired. And so we have a team of coaches that are constantly working with youth saying, hey, based on where your trajectory is going, your skill set, your gifts, this is where you may go. And then we have a team in our education field that are working on solving disparities in the education gap um, for children and youth in urban spaces here within Cincinnati. And that started with one-on-one, we'll go to the school, be able to be to pull students out to work on one on one overcoming from the pandemic, it led us to end up running a school. We ran our school for the past school year with about 60 kids in it, a little middle school, high school down on the downstairs of this um, church. And then we had an elementary school on the upstairs. And it was something that was quite the experience that we hope never to do again. Um, we, we, we did not hire superintendents, principals, and administrators to run a school. So it really stretched us in this past year. However, Every, all the kids that participated with us um, ended up excelling in school compared to where they were projected to go um, in this individual place, even though we could barely ever get them on their Zoom calls with their teachers in their classrooms. Um, and sometimes I'm not sure if the teacher was kicking the kid out of the class or one of us out, actually, because we were asking questions of, like, why is it like this? Why did you change the password for the Zoom call and make it impossible for a kid to get in there? And sometimes the teachers were like, hey, back-to-back Cincinnati, get out. Um, but we made it. And then last, we have a team that Katie is a part of and and co-leads under trauma competency. Being competent in trauma and understanding that and being able to train others is so important to -to back-to-back Cincinnati that we've dedicated staff um, to holding ourselves accountable and growing in understanding how circumstances in our life can impact our brain and our body's development. And we need to learn different ways to respond to that, as well as a training team to be able to go to other organizations. And we train other like-minded organizations in trauma competency. Our heaviest is Boys and Girls Club, where we're in the, we just finished the second year of a program with Boys and Girls Club, where they are going to be, at the end of next year, self-sustainable in trauma competency in all of the clubs in Cincinnati. So they won't rely on back-to-back Cincy at all anymore. They'll just be able to do their own thing. That's the overview of like kind of how and what we do. I want to introduce you to the staff from back-to-back Cincinnati that are here. And then I'm going to pray. And my friend Michael's going to come up and just share a spoken word with you. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Lego pieces that you may have grabbed on your way in. Um, and give you a little insight into how holistic tra- uh, trauma-informed care works together. So today from a back-to-back Cincinnati staff um, in this back left, and you can just raise your hand. You guys don't even have to stand up. This is Michael Sickles. He's our coaching manager. In front of him is Stephanie Powers. She is our youth care and clinical supervisor. Yeah, I gave you your new title. Um, and Stephanie's been with us really since the beginning. She, she showed up as, a, as an intern before we started the site and helped lay all the groundwork for what the site could look like. And then when she graduated um, with her um, master's degree in social work, she came back and joined staff. So Stephanie's been with Back to Back Cincinnati almost as long as I have in, in some capacity. Um, next to Stephanie is Onus Gray. Onus is a coach. He's been coaching. Two-year anniversary was Thursday or Friday on staff with us for two years, which 
which is pretty um, fantastic. In front of him is Jay Blackman, and Jay um, was a student that participated in a lot of our programs in high school, um, and we were gracious that he just kept showing up like, hey, can I hang out? Can I hang out? Can I hang out? And then we've learned that Jay is brilliant in a couple of ways. One, he's a great spoken word artist. You're going to hear from him this morning. Second, he's like a kid whisperer. Um, You put Jay with the hardest kids in the room, and they're less difficult. I'm not going to say they're easy, right, Jay? Um, But he's amazing. So he's interning for us this summer as he figures out what's happening in the fall as a college freshman. Jay just graduated high school in, um, in May as well. And then you met Katie last week. Um, Katie Evans is our child protection officer and our trauma competency manager. So she oversees making sure that internally we keep growing and developing. Um, Over on this side is Alexis. Alexis has interned as well for this summer and has been brilliant upstairs. I continually hear from all of our upstairs, like summer programming coordinator, you have to hire Alexis. So if I don't, I think I might lose my job which I've been trying to do since 2016. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Um, and then in the back is one of our summer student staff. Her name's Sunny Cox. You may have heard of her. Um, she belongs to me and her mommy. And she also volunteered to be part of our summer staff, which we hired high school students to work um, 15 to 18 hours a week within the programming. And um, it could either be staff from Back to Back Cincinnati or students that had shown up during our school year program that were participants in high school, instead of being participants in the summer, like, play with purpose program, we asked the high school students if they would like to take a crack at their first job and work with us. And so they were paid to be part of the program during the summer to help on a couple of areas. One, job experience, and two, economic investment back into um, a community that for the past year, it was hard to work. It was a hard, and especially hard for high school students to find work in, um, in sustainable ways. I think that's everyone. Am I missing anyone? Did I skip anyone? No. Cool. All right. I want to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask Michael to come up, and he's going to start with a spoken word, and then we're going to talk to you again about Lego pieces after that. Jesus, thank you for this community and this opportunity that we get to be part of Echo. And um, Jesus, ultimately right now, I'm just humbled as I tell that story of how back-to-back Cincinnati got started, that um, you, you just spoke it into existence and you keep it going and that we get to represent you in this room. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, so just to give some context, um, so I've been writing poetry for probably a while, probably since I was like maybe fourth, fifth grade, and I never understood why. I never understood what it was about or why I did. I was always, always drawn towards it. Um, and it was interesting because then as I got hired on it back to back, one of the things we talk about is children losing their voice. So poetry allowed me to maintain my voice when I didn't have one. Um, I never knew why. I never knew how it fit in together. But then as I started working in this field, um, and you're going to hear from a young man, uh, Jay, later on, where he's discovering his voice. And so today I want to kind of give you a word that came to me probably about two days ago that I wrote down, and so I'm going to read it to you and just kind of give you some context around what poetry does because poetry is ministry. Poetry is the way that I communicate to the world, but also the way God talks to me. Um, and so there's a scripture I want to start with, which is Romans 12:2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is how he worked through me. He helped me renew my mind through his words that I was able to put on paper. 
So this word, this, this poem is called More. Poetry is more than art. A blank canvas soliciting verbal paintbrushes to tickle the most intimate parts. Poetry is the word of light. Tap dancing on the hair of the prince whispering ever so loudly as it finds life in his despair. No, not at all. Nope. Life has never been fair, but the truth of the matter remains anchored in its seat, offering solace to all. The wind sings as they skip through the trees, encouraging the arms of justice to rustle the leaves while they applaud the orchestra of birds finishing their ovation. Poetry is far more than art. It's the skill acquired by the experienced Holy Spirit through the study and observation. A simple task that demands dedication to the existing education in which the divine library calls to us all with this subtle invite. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The stained glass windows teach with the expression on the depression the world offers as emancipation. But the proclamation rejoices in the wood that embraced Christ as he hung. Its strong arms and legs held up a man of virtue and purity as it groaned with fatigue. The nails uncurled at its fingers like a mother who weeps for her child drafted off to war, praying for love and mercy to shield against any attack. Discard the breastplate of the world in exchange for the word as it ushers him to a transparent space. There the battle cry to love sprints from place to place, edifying the words echoed from the earth. Love as I loved, feel as I feel, for love conquers all. The stones preach to the crowd a message of redemption that would spark a revolution, giving us all the key to the kingdom, the key to life, the key to salvation. The door waits, adamantly standing before you with his unshaven face, rough hands and a scraggly voice. Knock and I shall enter and I shall let you enter if you know my voice. A distinct vibrato of notes working together in unison while holding hands with the fabric of time walking in our blind spot. We loathe. The nudge from the iron fist writes a note asking us to choose. Time watches, waiting for the right moment to give the signal. Hey, psst. yeah, you. Keep plenty of oil so, when you choose, so you won't lose when you choose to move. We all want more. Thank you. What's wild is that there are moments we can be in a staff meeting, we can have a team conversation, and I'll look over and be like, Michael, do you have something? He's just like, he just starts rolling these words out. And I'm like, I should not ask you because I cannot do that at that level. And, but he puts all these words together that helps us hold a truth in a different way. And that's what I love about the team at Back to Back Cincinnati is that there's different ways in which we can communicate or create or share Definitely, there's different ways that we can connect. And um, Michael, the first time that he shared a spoken word, it was this aha moment for our team of like, well, we have something we can coach students in that they love. And again, you'll hear from Jay in a little bit because Jay connected on that as well. Onus um, brings those to us at times. Some of our other staff attempt, um, like Jed or Rick, which is always interesting. You see the response um, that we effort to try to communicate a word because not only is the physical, as I mentioned with like meeting physical needs in a neighborhood important, but the second aspect of holistic care is actually meeting spiritual needs. And that that spoken word that Michael just gave can be that cool drink of water in renewing something spiritually because 
other avenues of spiritual connection have felt more religious, right? It's like there's a difference in reading the word of God when it's spoken like that over me that I go, oh, that's a reconnecting effort. When there's other times that I could read the same words on a sheet of paper and I wouldn't connect. And we really believe that through intrinsic relationships and using the gifts that God has given us, we need to meet spiritual needs in our communities. That's one of the key points of back-to-back. But not as a ticket of admission to be able to get access to physical resources. So back-to-back Cincinnati, you'll constantly hear spoken word, music, worship, prayer. We connect on a weekly basis with one another and pray over students, children, families. We offer to pray with, we offer to connect. But never will you hear, if you stay for this small group time or this message or this thing, then you get a reward. There's never, Jesus is never a ticket for admission to an equitable resource that all humans deserve. Um, And that, that you can always hold us to. The other element is always education, right? So it's physical needs, spiritual needs. We want to meet needs around education. And some of those aspects of education can be really hard because unless you unlock the next two of emotional and social, you can't really get to the education. We put it in the middle of our list because we think it's really, really important. And sometimes that unless education access is provided, you can't meet emotional and social needs. But those three of education, emotional, and social We're going to spend like the next 15-ish minutes just putting all that together because I'm really not sure that any of it can be separated, especially with youth and children that I can't, and maybe you even experienced it in life. And if you're in a meeting, it's really hard to pay attention to what's going on if you're not at peace with who else is at the table. It's also not really easy to handle what's going on at work if you just came out of crisis at home. It's really hard to come to church and be able to understand what Steve is saying about the depth of a Greek word that I can't even get into. We went to the same Bible college. He got a totally different education than I did. Um, it's way better. I'm not sure who like, his professors were. But he goes at a depth that I'm like, this is brilliant. This is amazing. But if I don't feel at peace at home or I don't feel safe, I can't grab on to those words. I can only take the comparison of the office to the kingdom of God from Kelly if I'm in a really good emotionally and healthy, safe place, which is one of the best sermons that I've heard on that stuff. So good. Which is why we asked you to check in with us on how you were doing emotionally before you came into the service. We had one of these three options given to you. Today I'm feeling good. We asked you to pick up a Lego. Today I'm feeling overwhelmed. Or, today I'm feeling underwhelmed. I'm going to ask you to do a really quick exercise. If you have a Lego that you picked up, I'm going to ask you to bring it up and set it on this speaker for me right now. And if you didn't get a Lego, you can come up and in the front and grab one and then set it on the stage. So you're going to answer that question. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling underwhelmed. And you're going to leave the Lego right here um, that either you picked up already or you didn't. Ready, set, go. So we would ask today, that I love that, I'm okay today, yes, that's, we often have those feelings. One of the things that we do regularly at Back to Back is what we usually call it an engine plate, and we ask kids, how's your engine running? 
there are different ways to do it though. Like today we use Legos for our coaching pod. We actually use a basketball hoop and we have a red, blue, and green basketball, or we did. Um, they got misplaced. Um, and we would ask the students to come in and shoot the ball. And what this does, and, and I would even view it today for me as being up here, knowing how people's engines running can impact the way that you lead a service the, a teaching activity, a breakout, an option is to be able to go, okay, there are people that are in this room that feel overwhelmed today. Does that change the way in which we interact? Because if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I may not have access to prefrontal cortex stuff in the front of my brain that's going to actually retain anything you said. So if the health of whether or not we're a community of believers is contingent on how great the sermon is or how much we can retain, then, and if the, the vocational success of a generation is dependent on being able to retain information given in a classroom, we should know whether or not brains have access to the part that actually retains information when coming into a room. So we check in on each other. And if we had more time, we would actually ask one of you in the room to build a structure out of all of these Legos and tell us. Because the goal is not to be isolated, which is why I asked you to bring them all up together. But there is no I in a community or a neighborhood. There's only us. And if some of us are underwhelmed, then that means that there's going to be a contingent of an underwhelming feeling in a space. If we're overwhelmed, then good intended connections in a neighborhood can be misinterpreted by someone who's overwhelmed. It's like, why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything. You don't like me. No, get your hand out. We're going to ride a roller coaster together. Pick the roller coaster. It better not be in like kids land. It better be like something like Diamondback. So you're going to put your finger right here. And when you go up, you're going to breathe in like you're getting ready to go up a giant hill. And you're going to go. And then when you breathe out, you're going to go. And then we actually make them actually scream like they're on a roller coaster. And you do this all the way across. And what it does is an overwhelmed brain, when it starts to exhale like that, because you've been pressuring everything in, when you just do something like a breathing exercise that pushes something out, it actually makes the chemicals in your body start to go to a green level. So I may not have come in green, but you've given me this roller coaster to be green. Now, if you're underwhelmed, probably means your engine's running really, really low. And we need to get energy up. So we might in that one say, I'll bet I can race you to the door on the way in. And we might race, okay, we, that's, that's specific as to who we race with now. Because we've, we've gauged who we might lose, like in the neighborhood. Because we're like, race you, and they're like, gone. We might race someone to the door because it's going to get, again, body moving, heighten something up. Because green's going to come before red, so I move it. In addition, one of the biggest strategies that we use in, um, we, when we have a blue field is what we call a sensory walk. And a lot of times with a sensory walk, we'll put activities on the ground like hopscotch or spin around in a circle five times or do five jumping jacks or things like spell your name um, on the ground with sidewalk chalk on the alphabet and it gets you moving. So it takes someone who feels underwhelmed and gets them into a green spot. It's why if you're at work and you're feeling overwhelmed, it's a good idea to go take a walk, go for a hike, go for a run, just move around, just do like five burpees or something like that. Getting the body moving when we're underwhelmed. 
we built one for you as you're leaving church today. There's a sensory walk outside the building on the sidewalk that Sonny and Alexis just built for you. Is it amazing? Is it an amazing sensory walk? Alexis says, yeah, it's pretty good. Sonny in her confidence is like, yep, it's great. Yep. <laughs> She's like, I got you. So as you're leaving, you can, ha- you can experience a sensory walk with us because we know we're all not experiencing life at the same pace. We encourage you, just even as a family, use terms like this even in your house. You can just get code words that just says, I'm feeling red. Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to ride a roller coaster? Do you want to blow out candles? You can go, like you can blow candles out. Do you want to do a volcano breathing? Do you want to, it's why people are in love with a lot of the yoga elements right now. It's because it actually makes you feel like stuff that's been inside is able to come out in a healthy way. You can do different breathing activities. Another thing that we do that we work on collaboratively is a thing called a personal development plan. I'm going to ask Stephanie to come up because I'm going to ask her some questions about it. And as she's coming up, um, Raven and Kaylin, I think you're going to give out some pieces of paper to everyone. Would you hand everyone one of these? Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Good. Oh, it is working. Great. Okay. So yeah, here's good. the first question I'm going to ask Stephanie. Did I describe an engine plate and techniques right? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I just make it up. People like Katie and Stephanie hold me accountable to doing it, right? How would I, do I get a B, A, C? It's good. I'd give you an A. An A? Yes. <laughs> Katie, do you, yeah? Yes, I can do this. They're going to keep me. <laughs> so Stephanie and a lot of our care coordinators work either with um, children in elementary school, middle school, high school students, or moms specifically, like families, with something that we like to call a personal development plan. It's one thing to find a calming technique. Another approach to having holistic care is to actually have a plan within the five elements that really define your life. So um, will you, again, restate what the five areas are and walk through what everyone has in their hand really quick. Tell them what they're looking at. Yeah, so the five areas, and you can see them on the pie chart there, are spiritual, physical, educational, social, and emotional. And what you have in your hands is a version of the personal development plan that we use in our programming. And I say a version because we modify and adapt this all the time. We've had a version during the school year that was more curriculumized where we filled in the goals for kindergartners who don't have the developmental capacity yet to create their own goals. We have a simplified version that we use with mamas. Um, We have more self-care versions that we use with our interns that are focused on how am I taking care of myself. Um, But the version you have in front of you today is kind of like basic version that I start with for whatever age group or need that I'm specifically targeting um, with that. And my main focus for my role, as Chris um, said, with being the youth care and clinical supervisor is around teenagers. And so I'm probably going to talk mostly from that lens today because that's where we've used the personal development plan for the longest period of time. Yeah. So if you were sitting down with a 14-year-old Um, young man that we work with, how would you walk them through that piece of paper? Because if I'm a 14-year-old guy, I may look at that piece of paper and be like, are you kidding me? What are we about to do? Like, this is not a thing for me. I don't talk about my feelings. I'm not writing this stuff down. How do you make this thing work? Yeah, so I'd say for starters, the first probably three to four times I meet with a student, they don't actually ever see that worksheet. Mm -hmm. Um, The first three to four times I'm meeting with a student, I am building rapport, building their trust, getting to know them. Sometimes that looks like playing Uno. Um, One student likes to tell me that he 
beat me four times in 30 minutes in Uno a couple weeks ago. He likes to remind me of that every single time that he sees me. Um, but when we do that, we're getting to know each other. I'm asking questions. We're building trust. Um, and I will start to ask questions in each of those different areas over that period of weeks. And I'll kind of get a frame of reference for what the student is identifying as their priorities in each of those areas. And I leave that meeting and I go home and I take a bunch of notes. Um, and at the end of having gone through all of those categories really informally, I come back with the student and I say, okay, so you know how I've been asking you a lot of questions? Yeah. Well, so today I want to tell you what I think I heard you say, and I want you to tell me if I heard you right or if I got anything wrong. And that usually catches these like middle school to high school students really off guard because they've not really been given a lot of opportunities to tell an adult that they're wrong. Um, but they, they kind of like it. And so I sit there and I explain, okay, so when we were talking about um, physical, I was asking a lot of questions about what resources you have, what you, what you think that you might need to help you be able to do better at things, how you take care of your body. And this is what I heard you say, and I'll, and I'll repeat it. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't miss anything. Or, yeah, yeah, you missed this. Oh, okay, great. And I make a note of, of that. And then I ask, what goal, what goals did you hear out of that, out of that thing that we just summarized? What, what did you hear? And usually the students can identify one to two goals for each of the categories that just like come to mind immediately from that dialogue. And we actually write those down first on an index card before, once again, they still have not seen this worksheet yet. And we write it down on an index card. And we go through each category like that. And I'm starting to introduce, these are the five categories. This is how we talk about it. This is the language that we're going to use. And we write these down on index cards. And if I can, I ask the kid to write it down themselves. Sometimes they don't want to, so sometimes I'll write it down. But if I can, I try to get them to do that because it, I think it really adds an element of like concreteness to it and ownership. Um, so they write it down. And usually by the end of the activity, there's somewhere between 8 and 12 index cards. And then we spread them out on the table in front of us, and we say, okay, now put these in order from most important to least important. And we try to do that, and sometimes when we do that, we realize that two of the index cards actually say the same thing different ways. And so then we can, like, consolidate them, and we get it in order from most important to least important, and then we figure out, okay, so these three that are most important, does it make sense to start with those? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is like, oh wait, that's most important to me, but I can't do that until I've done that other thing. And so then we move the order again. And once we've identified our top three goals, that's when I pull out the worksheet. And at that point, we start filling in the different pieces of the pie with the top three things that we want to work on. And the reason we do three is because I found that if we only identify one, and then something prevents us from working towards that one thing, we get really frustrated, like, oh, I'm a failure. Sure. I can't yeah. do anything right. But if we identify five, chances are we're going to get really overwhelmed and not really work on any of them that well. So we focus on that two to three range as being the best number of goals to set right off the bat. Yeah, and then in this relationship between our care coordinators and our coaches, um, any student that would, be, that would be connected to a coach, which is like Michael and Onus's team, these three get communicated from care coordinator to coach because Stephanie will help build it um, and help the infrastructure. And then the coach helps navigate toward, all right, I'm picking you up at three because then we're going to go to that location. This is what you need to make sure that you have when you get into the vehicle with me. 
here's also how this new boss might treat you. Are you ready for these scenarios? Are you ready to be viewed a certain type of way? You're putting yourself out there. If this thing doesn't go well, I'm here to pick you up. Don't just quit. Don't, like, don't just like, walk out or flee and feel like you don't have an option. Ask if you can step out and call me. So we start a connection between care coordination and coaching where care coordination identifies the opportunities that every student that we're connected to has but may not know that the door is unlocked to be able to walk through. Um, one thing really that I want to be really clear about is that like, we're, not, we're not the great hope for any kid in the city of Cincinnati. Um, the, the, the numbers um, are about like those poverty numbers, those access numbers. Those are about divisions and disparities that were written onto a city, not chosen by a child or a family. And that has to be very clear, that there are, there are generational and systemic things that have happened in Cincinnati that we need Stephanie and our team in this role because there are equitable resources in the city, but the access to get those resources is so complex for different groups that it's not as easy as being able to say, well, just have your mom drive you or just grab a bus and go there or just show up at school, right? Um, it's not just those things. It's, there's, there's these complex things that a person who looks like me and has the gender of me actually, I, I just get, every door's just open. It just is. Like, I walk through the door. If I'm bold enough to take it, and I turn the handle, and the door is open because the system was built for people like me. And so I then create that construct for people that don't have the same narrative as me, and I assume some things, right? I, we hear all the time in Cincinnati, why don't kids just, like, work hard, which means pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I'm like, because maybe I'm wearing slides, right? Like, I don't, no one get, I didn't get a pair of boots. Like, is there a store for that? Like, you're telling me to pull, and mine don't have straps. So your language doesn't work for me. Um, I can work hard and still get kicked out of class. I can work hard and just be the best at a class that is overwhelmed on numbers of kids per adult. Something that you say that is really important is to, is to narrow it down to like one to three. Is that per section or like per category? So physical would have three options. Educational would have three options. Is that right? I, no, it's one to three for the entire One to three for pie. the entire thing. So you're not choosing all five at a time mm. either, right? So you don't have to have one for all five. And the reason I ask that question is we're going to give everyone here like two minutes to actually fill out your own little personal development plan. And then Stephanie's here for the rest of the day, and she'll do one-on-one. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, consultations to talk through. Because this is, this, from a trauma-informed holistic thing, like, for real, do you, do you use this as ho- at home for yourself? Like, some model of this? Um, I think, well, first off, we do as a staff team actually do this annually as a part of our ministry yeah. and development Our team plan. does it, yeah. Um, but I think it has become a little bit of the framework and maybe always has been part of the framework for how I think about things like this because I'm a very goal-driven person. Yeah, right. Like, just personality-wise, that's part of who I am. Can I add one more thing about these Please. plans that I yeah. think is really important? Um, we fill out these plans every single month. And you might be like, what, do you have new goals every single month? And there's a reason why we do that. I meet with students on average twice a month. And the first time of the month, we fill out a new worksheet. And then the second time of the month, we come back and we problem solve what has been going well, what hasn't been going well, what we need to course correct. But then the first meeting of that next month, 
we start fresh with a clean piece of paper. Mm. And the reason we do that is first because sometimes we've met the goals, but sometimes we haven't. And when we haven't, we have to figure out, is it because the goal itself wasn't specific enough, it wasn't measurable enough, it wasn't realistic enough, or maybe there's some obstacle in my way that's out of my control, or also sometimes our goals change. And there is no shame around any of those reasons why one of the goals isn't working. And so that's why we fill out a new worksheet is because we just, we get that blank slate every right. single month that we can, we can re- redirect our course and it's okay. It's something to celebrate. It's not something to be ashamed of. And that's a great point. And I'm going to like go with me, Kelly, for the sake of time, because I think that what you just said leads us right into a, a really good moment that we're going to combine a couple of things. Um, you have a personal development plan in front of you that we just want to give you a couple of minutes to read. What Stephanie just said about a blank slate is a perfect introduction for us to go right into communion. Because it's a good reminder that we always get to start with a blank slate before God. And so I'm going to pray in just a, a second. And we are going to have communion served. While as part of communion we invite you to pick one, two of those sections And I'm going to give you two challenges in the two sections. One, write something new that you've wanted to be a goal in one of those areas that you're like, I just, is it okay to write this down? Is it like okay to dream about this? And one thing that's been shaming you that you just need to leave that section blank because you need the fresh start. Maybe there's something that you're like, I know I would go straight to physical because I keep saying I'm going to do this workout thing and I'm going to, and I leave it blank because it's okay to leave a space blank that just continues to feel like a pressure point for you where you just don't let God redeem it. Um, So I'm going to pray. Is that okay, Kelly? We do that. I'm going to pray. Communion are on the two tables here. You'll be able to go through your personal development plan so you can come up and get the emblems for communion. You have your personal development plan, and then we're going to close out with one more spoken word in just a second. Jesus, thank you for this conversation and just even the words that Stephanie gave to us there, that it's always okay to just hit reset and start over. And that that's what your gift is through the cross, that you have gifted us the ability to just hit reset as we remember the brokenness of your body and the outpouring of your blood on our behalf. And that you were poured out so that we don't have to be. It's in your name that we pray this prayer and that you give us a word over our own development plans. It's in your name. Amen. We're going to do a couple of things to close. Um, first, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Jay. and He's going to give a spoken word. Then Kelly will come up and uh, share a couple of announcements and we'll pray. I want to say thank you for giving us some opportunity to have conversation today. We went with just how's your engine running to personal development plan into this spoken word. Because over the last three years, one of um, the most significant journeys that we've been on is with our friend Jay. Uh, We met him through a partnership through uh, in Cincinnati. Jay just says yes to any opportunity to just be with people and to grow and learn. And early on, we learned that Jay loves spoken word. Then we had an opportunity for a banquet for back to back. And we're like, hey, Jay, would you do a piece? And he did this piece and he had like the whole room just like, all right, we're, we're, we shouldn't say anything else. We should just let Jay speak. But through his personal development plan of spoken word being a piece of his next journey, we were always on the lookout for opportunities for Jay. And one of our friends in the city named Brent Billingsley has these projects that are going on. And he reached out 
because he was part of that same back-to-back like banquet. And he was so impressed by Jay that he sent us a link and said, you need to have Jay sign up for this because he could start earning money based on his ability at spoken word. So not only are, is our community like on the lookout for people that want to be part of our community, but it's expanded to other people in the community that are going, hey, this, this is a perfect fit for Jay. You should have him sign up for this. So what you're about to hear is what Jay pieced together under the theme of truth and reconciliation, right? Same piece. Am I right? Um, under the theme, the umbrella, so the theme of this piece is truth and reconciliation, He was invited to do this as part of an arts wave project here in Cincinnati. He's already won. We're not sure what level he's won at this point, but he just recorded on a rooftop in Cincinnati, and we can send out the YouTube link to this great art piece that he's just gotten to do. So this thing is already taking off for Jay. Um, I didn't do Michael's this service earlier, but I need to give it to you. If there's a part of this spoken word that you're about to hear that you resonate with, in the spoken word world, snaps are encouraged during a piece, when you hear a word or a phrase that you're like, ooh, goosebumps, or it just stood out to me, you are welcome to fully participate in this spoken word, and then Kelly will come up and close us out. So, Jay, it's yours. Oh. So, um, I wrote this spoken word <clears throat> about truth and how a lot of times as people we know the truth that's going on in the world, but we don't do anything about it because it disrupts our daily lives. And we don't want to ruin this life we've built to stick our neck out to stand up for the truth. So here we go. As a prompt, you ask for the truth, but I don't really believe you want it. Because more often than not, when you ask for the truth, they can't accept it. They changed the channel, ignore it, anything not to face it because they knew all along what the truth was and did nothing about it. They sat there complacent, you sat there complacent, I sat there complacent, and we disassociated. We were so scared of this life we so carefully built upon pillars of sand collapse, and we did nothing. So we could keep this life filled with consistency and schedule and nice things we bought and friends that are more like acquaintances, terrified of it all come crashing down on the waves and leaving nothing of our beautifully, meticulously crafted sandcastle. But it doesn't matter, because in the end, it'll all be rubble anyway. The waves are coming, so please sit as comfortably as you can and watch the destruction. And I don't care how woke you say you are, we're all as ignorant to each other as the end of the day. I've noticed as of lately how I've become so comfortably numb to the, sound, to the sounds of death from the wars of the world to the injustices on the street. So common, I began to accept it as part of my daily routine, my little five-minute daily tragedy as I bring myself to rage as I watch the morning news, only to be forgotten two seconds after. We become so oversaturated, we don't got room in our hearts to care anymore. I mean, I got bills to pay and I got a nine to five, but we need to forget about ourselves for more than just one day because the truth is... George Floyd was just the beginning. A hundred year war is still going, kids are starving and there are concentration camps in foreign countries. But we just changed the channel because we wanna see our sandcastle growing. Capitalism is the biggest motivator to you felt, realize it wasn't made for you and all your ethnic attitude 
And the truth is we've been caged like chickens and like slaves we're building our own cage. The truth is if it's not happening to us, then we don't care about it. If our castle gets, the truth is if it's not happening to us and we don't care about it, who cares if their sand castle gets washed away in the sticky blood and forgotten in the waves? The truth is we'd rather throw our brother or sister under the bus because they're not like us. And we can't understand the fear they hold in their hand when they throw their first punch because they've had enough. And they've got nothing to lose like Malcolm X, Martin Luther, Watada, Thwich Huang. And the sad thing is we've only been taught two of those names. The only time people bring true change is when they're ready to lay down their life to better the sand where we all play. Thanks for bringing the word. Thank you all for being here today. I want to pray over our, all of the back-to-back staffers here. So if you're near someone, just you know, reach out a hand. We're going to just pray over all of the team here and all of their work in Cincinnati. God, we thank you for making us brothers and sisters through you, Lord. Thank you for all the hurting children in our city that you know and you see and you've made in your image. And we just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the hurts, the needs, the joy, and all the future hope. Right now, I lift up these back-to-back Cincinnati staff members and give them strength. Give them strength from their running green or blue or red. Give them your wisdom. Give them your hope. And Lord, be Jesus through them. We thank you for our opportunity to partner together and to be cared for by them, and we care for them as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Echo Church. If you ever want to join us in person, we're located in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. That's E-C-H-O church dot O-R-G. Have a great week.